0: Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And there is one of the most contentious verses of the New Testament. Uncomfortable words. Some argue that Jesus was a violent revolutionary and that the story was cleaned up for later consumption. And others argue that Jesus meant some kind of spiritual sword, like a sword of the Spirit from Ephesians. I don't think... We need to make a federal case either way. Jesus clearly at times used apocalyptic and therefore violent images in his preaching without necessarily meaning to encourage violence. The context here is he's giving instruction to his disciples when he sends them out on a mission. Some won't accept you, he says, and when they don't, shake the dust from your feet and move on. Remember, you are beloved of God and you are of more value than many sparrows. Or even pigeons. He didn't say pigeons. (laughs) But it's the same, you get what he's about. And being clear about what really matters will sometimes lead to division, even within your own family, whose way of being will seem threatened by your choices. Maybe they will feel criticized. Maybe they'll feel embarrassed by you in front of their friends. Maybe they will feel, in choosing a path different from them, that you are rejecting them. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus was just reflecting the realities of what happens all too often with just about any new thing. And this passage is also probably reflecting the reality that the followers of the way were being excluded from the synagogues and families were being divided in many places as they were considered beyond the pale of real Judaism. Jesus recognized that sometimes a new thing is not easy for others to accept. I think about my parents during my teenage evangelical days and how they must have rolled their eyes many times (laughs) with my certainties. But they didn't reject me. They continued to act for right relationship. They They loved me in spite of the fact that I probably drove them crazy. But imagine what happens when a family doesn't do that, when parents' own level of maturity is such that they can't accept something they don't like going on with their children, and how that breaks up families and begins a cycle that is really hard to stop. My parents didn't tell me I was wrong, but when things are handled poorly, new things breed enmity and resentments for centuries. Just look at Sarah's choices about Ishmael, Hagar's son, the slave woman's son, the powerless woman's child when her beloved Isaac was born. The child of Hagar was cast into the wilderness while Isaac was to be sole inheritor of the patrimony. The politics around the origins and interpretation of this story are bad enough, but the ancient enmity of Arab and Jew, with all its deadly consequences, is destructive for generations. Jesus is asking us, his disciples, to break that cycle. To break that cycle of violence that so often begins in our hearts. Not peace but a sword. It makes sense to me as Jesus sends his disciple on mission. Clarity of purpose will always lead to resistance from those who feel themselves or their way of life or their power threatened. We see it all over the place. How about that dreadful story of the massacre of Shiites by Sunni militants in Iraq? Their original enmity, Sunni and Shiite, came very soon after the prophet's death, and it was about power, and it continues to be about power today, and it is bloody and it is violent. Denominations and their over-and-against-truth claims are the despair of the new atheists, and they should be our despair, too. The alternative is to remain clear about who we are, to remain clear about what matters to us without responding in kind when others feel threatened. That is hard spiritual work. It's a practice, spiritual practice, all by itself, checking ourselves when we are enraged or angry or threatened and choosing to create space where we can respond rather than react. Responsibility informed by love rather than reactivity informed by rage. This affects not only our families, but our communities in all kinds of ways. Uh, You know that old Southern thing, been here, born here, and come here. And come here means probably a generation it, it's, it's really hard for people to break into that community. Churches, I don't think it's true of us, but churches can become like this, where they'll welcome visitors, but don't try and break into the community. That'll take a long time, because the community's boundaries are not very fluid and, and, and are not very flexible. I've been thinking about the whole immigration debate and that extraordinary business of Eric Cantor losing his uh, primary because of, apparently, debate around immigration. I was thinking about how that debate is so complicated. There's clearly a place for some good immigration policy, but, but underneath it all, surely, isn't there that, that fear, that sense of being threatened? So in England, uh, a few years ago, they tried to create an exam for immigrants to make sure that they understood what it was to be truly British all the things that were celebrated in the opening ceremonies of the London Olympics. And, and people from Pakistan and Jamaica and wherever else needed to know about you know village life or whatever it was. And so one of the questions, interestingly, was who is the head of the Church of England? Now, the answer they wanted was the Archbishop of Canterbury. But actually, you could argue it's the Queen. And if you really wanted to push it, maybe God in charge of it? I mean, who knows? But what was happening was they were worried that communities of immigrants weren't really valuing what was the host values and that communities of immigrants were coming in and were not remotely interested in being assimilated but really wanted to continue their culture and their customs just with more material wealth. And so they started an exam. And it becomes this question of, do we want to be a melting pot in which we're assimilated Or are we in fact living more in a salad bowl, that's not an original image, but more in a salad bowl where there are many different flavors and colors and tastes and so on, and and that somehow living together requires learning how to check this feeling that we're losing something, that we're being threatened, that we're being cast aside, that something that's really important to us is being trodden on or devalued. Somehow, If we want to break that cycle of violence, the cycle that actually put Jesus to death, the cycle of loss and non-acceptance and challenges to someone or other's way of life that leads to violence, sometimes that's rioting or physical violence against an immigrant community, or sometimes it's violence dressed up as law, leading to deportations, the separation of family units, the cycle erupts somewhere or other in violent ways. Jesus was put to death. As the religious authorities felt that their carefully constructed balance of power with the Romans was being threatened. And they did what we all do when we're threatened, begin to find a way to stop the threat. Jesus saying, Peace, not a sword, it's clear that we're to behave in ways that break this cycle of violence. He tells his disciples not to fear for their own stuff, not to fear for their own lives but to stay clear about their commitments. He cancels deference, slaves and masters, all that business, but warns against those who cannot accept difference. Our spiritual work of recognizing and understanding and accepting difference will always be tempered by the reality that there are those who cannot accept difference and whose violent ways must be stopped. And at the same time, we still have to practice checking those instincts and reactions within ourselves if we are to bear witness to the good news that we have received. Spiritual practice will make us peacemakers, will make us witnesses. This work of genuine recognition of others, we will be noticed. It will happen. And people will want to make others uh, know themselves as long as we make them know themselves honoured, whatever their position. And we can tell those others how we practiced resisting those fearful instincts and responses in our everyday relationships, that traffic rage. Check it. Pause. Do something. Create some time or some space. Remember that we are of infinite value because we are beloved of God and need have no fear. And perhaps we might talk with friends about how this kind of spiritual practice at ch- we talk about it at church, and we talk about what really matters for life, and perhaps we invite them to join us sometime. But the invitation, just as it was for us, is always first an invitation to life, and only secondarily really an invitation to church. It's as we practice the faith that we grow in our own capacity to live free, to serve as a leaven in the world. Makers of peace, followers of the Prince of Peace, witnesses to the gospel, witnesses who will attract others to this way of life. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.